I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay. So uh, last time I started a podcast on Scourge, the dragon set. Um, so Scourge was the third set in the Onslaught block following Onslaught and Legions. Um, so I talked about last time, it was pitched as the dragon set. Didn't have a lot of dragon stuff in it a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that today. Um, so we were up to see, so we're up to Chill Haunting. So Chill Haunting is an instant that costs one and a black, so two mana total. Um, so as an additional cost to play it, you had to exile X creature cards from your graveyard, and then um, the spell that uh, target creature got minus X, minus X till end of turn. So essentially what it let you do is it allowed you for a pretty cheap, for two mana, to kill things, but you needed to use creature cards in your graveyard as a resource. Uh, and the idea is, this was a creature-centered block. You had a lot of creatures. Legions was all creatures. And the idea was, oh, in a block deck, hey, you probably should have a lot of creatures. So, you know, that should work out just fine. Um, it's a fun card that definitely makes use of resources a little different. Um, I enjoy... One of the things that's fun for me is finding different ways to make use of different resources. And the graveyard is, is an interesting one. Um, it's one of those things that we always use a little bit, and every once in a while we focus on. Um, it wasn't the focus of this block, but I, I do think that the, the spell worked well in this environment. Next, Clutch of Undeath. 3BB Enchantment. Enchant Creature. Uh, remember, Enchantment Aura back then was Enchant Creature. Uh, Enchanted Creature gets plus 3, plus 3 if it's a zombie. Minus 3, minus 3 if it's not. So uh, we've been doing, this is an early version of this kind of mechanic where it's an aura that has one, one use in a certain way and a different use in another way. So the idea here is if you're playing a zombie deck, you can use it to build up your zombies and make them stronger. Um, if you want to use it on your opponent, even if you're playing zombies, but if you want to use it on your opponent and they don't have zombies, you can use it to kill. And so it's a versatile card, especially in the zombie deck where you have the options of beefing up your zombies or killing other things. You know, the fact that this spell is a kill spell when you need it to be, but also uh, creature boosts, it just gives you a lot of versatility. Um, the key to making this kind of card design-wise is to make sure that they feel like companion pieces. Um, and there's a strong desire to make sure that uh, the effect of, the, you know, the A effect and the B effect feel connected. Because they feel disconnected. It's like, Enchanted creature, if it's a zombie, gains, you know, uh, regeneration. But if it's not, it gains flying. And it's like, what? Why? Why is it? You know, it, it doesn't make sense. But this thing's like, plus three, plus three, if this, minus three, minus three, if not. And that seems very connected. So the key whenever you're doing a spell, this is a good just note in general on design, is that whenever a spell does more than one thing, you want those things to feel connected, like they belong on the same card for a reason. If you have a card in which you have two abilities that have no sort of connection to each other, it makes the card feel disconnected. Um, now, there's different ways to make them feel connected. This particular one is an aesthetic thing where you're using the similar numbers. Um, there's a lot of different ways to make them feel connected. But it, it is very, very important that your different components do feel connected. Okay. Next. Um, cons consumptive goo. Ooh, another ooze. Uh, BB for a 1-1 one, one ooze. So it costs two black mana for a 1-1 one, one ooze. Uh, and then for two black black, four mana, target creature gets minus one, minus one to end of turn, and put a plus one, plus one counter on consumptive, consu consumptive goo. So one of the cards that I joke that we keep making is the blob, which is, it's ooze, it just eats things. 
Uh, if you'll notice, a lot of the oozes historically get bigger over time because one of the, you know, what, you know, vampires uh, hunt at night. What do oozes do? They eat things and grow. It's, that's kind of what oozes do. Um, sometimes they're acidic, I guess. Sometimes they destroy things, but uh, they, they destroy things and they get bigger. It's kind of their thing. Um, so consumptive goo is definitely playing in that space. Um, that essentially you can go around and start, you know, eating other things. And the thing that's cute is early in the game you can eat small things, and as as you get more managed, starts eating bigger and bigger things. Daru Warchief. Um, so uh, two white white for a one one soldier. Uh, soldiers you control um, cost one less, and uh, so, sorry, soldiers you cast cost one less. Soldiers you control are plus one plus two. So the, remember, the Warchief was a cycle. Uh, all of them, it was a, a five-card cycle, all of them made whatever creature type they cared about one less, and they were always of their own creature type, um, allowing you to play future war chiefs cheaper. Um, and then they granted an ability that made sense for that group. Um, not all of them were power toughness bonuses. I think, in fact, maybe only white was a power toughness bonus. Um, they, white, the, the idea was each one wanted to play to their play style, and white is all about building the army, and soldiers are about having lots of small soldiers. So this definitely plays into the soldier deck where you want to get a lot of small soldiers up, and then the war chief sort of makes them stronger as a group. You know, plus one, plus two to your team is good if you have a lot of small creatures, which is what white does. Okay, next. Dawn Elemental. White, 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 white. Yes, that is four white mana. Uh, for a 3-3 three, three Elemental... It is flying, and it has prevent all damage to card name. So we make these kind of cards every once in a while. Essentially, it's like, it's a decently costed body that's really hard for your opponent to deal with. Um, now, note this only prevents damage. You still can tear it, you know, murder it, whatever, whatever uh, uh, destroy effects you want. But it, it, it really, in some ways, is designed to be hard for red to kill. Um, it doesn't say protection from red on it, but... Really, this is sort of a white anti-red card because red mostly deals all its its kill spells are all damage based. So when it prevents damage, it's really hard for red to deal with this thing. Um, in general, red does not have a lot of flyers either. So the, this is made as a white card that's meant to be extra hard for red to deal with. Like I said, black can deal with this thing. Black's got a ton of kill spells, most of which kill this thing. Um, but red red has a problem with it. Next, Day of the Dragons. So Day of the Dragons costs four blue, 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 so seven mana total, three of which were blue. It's an enchantment. Um, when it enters the battlefield, you exile all of your creatures and then replace them with five, five red dragon tokens. And then, if, um, if this ever leaves play, you have to sacrifice all your dragons, whether or not they're tokens, by the way, uh, and then you return all the creatures. Um, the... the this was a real cute thing. I like a lot the idea of you're turning all your things to dragons. Um, it has a little bit of the wonkiness of if you have other dragons somehow and this dies, it kills those dragons in addition to the tokens. It's in blue, so blue doesn't have a lot of dragons. Um, the other thing is if you lose dragons along the way, let's say I turn my creatures into dragons and my opponent kills some of the dragons, when this enchantment leaves play, I get all my creatures back. So... There's a little bit of flavor disconnected. I turn myself into dragons. You kill some of the dragons, but then they come back, even though the thing they've been turned into was killed. But it was just too wordy to word it any other way. I think that's why I went that way. Um, and I think the reason it had the rider is they wanted you to have an answer to it. Like, I, all my creatures are now 5-5 five, five dragons. How do I deal with that? Like, well, you can deal with enchantment and turn small back with the flavor. Um, 
this is definitely uh, one of the things. Maybe this is one of the things that got pe- people when they looked at this thing going, "Oh, maybe we can make this a dragon set." In that, this is a good example of a card that's in blue. Blue is not normally the dragon color, but it has a card that makes sense thematically in blue that ties to dragons. Note, by the way, the dragons are still red tokens. That um, the set wasn't trying to underlie the iconicness of red as a dragon creature. Um, sometimes, like one of the things we do with dragons from time to time historically is every once in a while. So when you do surveys of creature types, when we ask our players what they like, the number one most popular creature type is dragons by actually a decent margin. People love dragons. And so every once in a while, we did Mirage, we did an Invasion, we did it in Kamigawa. We, we, we've done it a few times, Plane Chase. Um, I'm sorry, Plane of Chaos, um, where we'll do a cycle of dragons. Um, we don't normally do that for the other Iconics. Um, like, for example, when we did the Angel set and had a cycle of angels, there still was a white, you know, it was white and blue and white and red and white and green, but white was always there. Um, so one of the things about dragons is every once in a while, when we think it's, it's worthy, um, we'll cycle out dragons, uh, just because they're, I don't know, they're so popular. And, and the people like the dragons. I don't know why I'm doing the next set. Um, okay. Next. Decree of Annihilation. Okay, Mark talks about what he doesn't like about some of the cycling design. Okay, so D- Degree of Annihilation is 8RR, so 8 red-red, so 10 mana total for sorcery. Exile all artifacts, creatures, lands, graveyards, and hands. I find it very bizarre, by the way, that this says... Um, oh, I guess it's red. It's a red destroy enchantment, so it destroys everything but enchantments. Also, it doesn't destroy Planeswalkers because at the time they didn't exist, so it didn't name them. Um, but notice now it does destroy all the permanents other than enchantments. It destroys all graveyard cards and all cards in hand. Which for red is not something red nor- traditionally does. Then for cycle 5 red red for 7 mana as opposed to 10 mana, uh, you can cycle it. And if you cycle it, you destroy all the lands. A small version of the effect. So here's my problem. One of my problems in general with cycling is there is this desire when you design to try to prove what you can do. To say, look how clever I'm being. Um, and one of the things when you be clever is there are ways to take mechanics and bend them and make them act like other mechanics. Uh, and this is a good example of this is taking cycling and turning into a split card. Um, because the idea of cycling is, I mean, the original concept of cycling is I have a card, and if at any moment I'd rather have something other than that card, I can trade it in for a, a different card. You know, that cycling allowed you to say, oh, I don't need this right now, I can trade it in for a random card. Um, and then we started this thing in this block where, like, we started doing small effects. And at first it was just tiny effects. And now you get to stuff like Degree of Annihilation where it's like, okay, so I have a spell that for seven mana is an uncounterable, because when you cycle you can't be countered, an uncounterable red Armageddon with a cantrip. You know, it's like uncounterable red Armageddon with a cantrip. And, like, that is so much more powerful than, I mean... 10 mana to destroy everything. I mean, sometimes you do that, but you know what's much more powerful? This 7 mana uncounterable cantrip Armageddon. And, like, that's not the point of cycling. Like, one of the things that's important is the, the goal of magic, uh, from magic design, is that we are constantly making new sets. And that we want the sets to feel fresh and new. But the, the game is the game. A lot of what we do is try to make sure the game consistently plays the same. That we want, we don't want to feel like it's such a radically different game. Like, what game am I playing? You know, we want enough departure that it feels different and that you're excited. You know, we want to make sure that 
Um, each new magic set is playing differently so that there's, you know, there's variety. But look, we want it to be magic. We don't want you to play a set and go, wow, is that, that doesn't even feel like magic. We don't want that. Um, and part of doing that is having mechanics to help define things and give you a different feel. Um, in order to do that, though, we need to make sure that we understand what mechanics are doing and have those mechanics do that thing. There is not a lot of value of having mechanics have lots of different functions because all it really does is it makes it harder for other sets to have a, a consistent sense and flavor. You know, the second that split cards, I'm sorry, the second that uh, cycling just becomes split cards, well then, cycling and split cards aren't different things. And that is, ba- that is wrong. Like, I want cycling to be cycling and split cards to be split cards, and I want them to do their own thing. And, you know, I'm not a big fan. Like, I want cycling to be what cycling is, which is a way to trade in cards. I don't want it to be a way to do alternate spells, l- let alone, you know, uncomfortable cantrips, which it has to be to still be cycling. Um... So anyway, my little uh, my little rant on Decree of Annihilation. I, this whole cycle had this problem where um, just the small cycling was so big, such a big effect that it didn't. It wasn't like I'm trading away this for a small effect. Some of the kind, you know, like I'm sp- when I'm spending seven mana in Armageddon and drawing a card, that's not a small effect. That's a pretty big effect. That and that moves away from cycling. So Decree of Justice. I'll talk about one more decree. Uh, this is another real popular one. So XX2WW. So two X's, a two colors mana, and two white mana. Uh, so two, two, and two. Uh, it's a sorcery. Put X four four white angel tokens with flying into play, and you could cycle it for two W. And if you cycled it, uh, you paid X, and then you put one X one one white soldiers into play. So the idea of this card is you either could put uh, X one ones or X angels. Angels obviously there was more mana than just the X. Um, this is another card where, oh, cycling 2W. It's not cycling 2W. It's, it's cycling X2W. Just It was too awkward to put X in the, uh, in the activation cost. So, like, once again, that's not a minor spell, you know. That literally is a spell where I can spend all my mana on the cycling cost. That's not a tiny spell. I will note, by the way, a little uh, thing about the decrees is, if you look in the art of the decrees, um, Corona False God shows up. Sometimes, like in Decree of Justice... Uh, you see her uh, silhouette, like on the rock. Uh, but she either is in the art or her silhouette's in the art of all five decrees. Because apparently uh, Corona likes to cream things. Next, Dimensional Breach. So Dimensional Breach is a sorcery that costs five white-white. Um, so seven mana total. You exile all permanents. And then uh, beginning of each player's turn, uh, he or she returns a card he owns to their hand. So the idea is you remove everything and then little by little people get it back. Um, the, the problem with a card like this is there are ways for white to remove its own stuff and so it's not horribly hard if you remove it with this thing and then sack it. I don't think I don't think that there's a rider that brings them all back if this thing is sacrificed. So it, you can remove everything and then get rid of this and then nobody gets anything back. It is designed, though, by the way, um, because it's the beginning of turn, that your opponent gets the first thing back before you get the first thing back. So, that was definitely it trying to balance. Okay, Dispersal Shield was an instant for one and a blue, so two mana. Counter target spell unless X is paid, where X is the highest converted mana cost of a permanent you control. So, this is another one of the cycle of the CMC cycles where it looks for permanents you control, takes the highest one. Um, uh, in general, I don't want really to talk too much about the converted mana cost. So there's a couple problems. Number one is, 
like I said, I explained what Converted Manicost was in the last podcast because I'm like, not everybody knows. And a lot of times people think, like, once they understand something, that everybody understands something. But Converted Manicost confuses people. Part of it is the words don't do the best job. We have looked for other words to say Converted Manicost with and have not had a lot of success. Um, so the only reason we haven't changed it is we haven't found anything that, that's any better. Um, but people don't know what it is. I tend to avoid at common uh, saying converted mana cost because I know it's confusing. Um, every once in a while we do it, but I tend to avoid it. Um, having it be a major thing in a set where people sort of have to get it. Uh, this, this theme did not go over all that well for a couple reasons. One was you kind of have to play big things before it really does something that makes you excited. So, so by definition, it just never happens early. Um, and it, there's moments where cool things can happen, but it, it, it is most often disappointing. You know, this card costs two mana, so at two mana, you're like, ooh, I can cast this card. I'm like, oh, you know. Now this one, luckily, you don't need a very high converted mana cost to sometimes do what you need to do. Often, just having, you know, your opponent having to pay three is enough to stop the spell. So this particular card was a little better than most, but, uh, the CMC theme was not particularly well-received. Um, people did like the storm mechanic because it was very powerful. They liked the land cycling. So there's a lot of mechanical stuff they liked, but the actual CMC theme was not, not particularly well-received. Um, Dragon Fangs. Dragon Fangs is a cycle. Uh, so this particular one is one in a green, two mana for an enchant creature. Um, uh, enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and trample. And then, if a creature with uh, converted mana cost six or greater come, enters the battlefield, you and it, this is in your graveyard, it snaps onto that creature. So the idea of this whole cycle was, I play it, I can play it early, if the thing I play it on dies, well, sometime later, I will play a big thing, and I play a big thing, I get this thing back. Um, they were flavored as dragon stuff, dragon things, such, because the development team was trying to make it feel more dragony. Um, and the idea is, well, what if we took the things that cared about big things and just named them and flavored them as if they were dragon things? Because dragons are big. Dragons tend to cost six mana or more. Although not all of them do, but most of them do. I think all the ones in the set do. Um, so anyway, uh, it's another good example where I always talk about if your theme's not a common, it's not your theme. Um, there, one of the things that's always challenging is when you have a theme like dragons, which eh, you don't tend to do a lot of common dragons. Common dragons are tricky. Um, and so you have to find a way to, to point toward it. I mean, I get what they were doing here. I mean, I do like that, um, they took something that had a function in the set and used it as a means to point toward the theme. I can appreciate that. I mean, I like it. I don't think these particular auras were all that useful. Um, they weren't particularly that strong. And the fact that you, I mean, it's like when I get my dragon in play, okay, now it's a little bit bigger, but trample doesn't matter all that much. Usually there's not that many things blocking it, and I mean, plus one, plus one is nice. Maybe it changes the clock slightly, but like oh, I have a 7-7 seven, seven, instead of a 6-6. Six, six. It's, it, it's not as uh, a big a deal. I, mean, I guess you could have built a deck with a whole bunch of these, maybe, so when you finally get a dragon out, it's just the craziest thing in the world. But once again, once you get a dragon out, you're usually in good shape, so um, the, we have uh, effects we call um, the rich get richer, which are... Fe- Effects, sorry, have a hiccup. Uh, there are effects in which um, you do something that tends to say, hey, have you done something that's probably already winning you the game? Well, it even more win you the game. You know, and so uh, a little of that's okay. You've got to be careful, though, because they don't, 
a lot of the times you got to make sure that if you're behind, you have tools to catch back up. Uh, being ahead and staying ahead, you know, the, magic's not fun if every time you're ahead, you just make it easy for them to stay ahead. Okay, next. Dragon Mage. I'm going to take a sip of water here to give her my, my hiccups. Ah, okay. Dragon Mage. Five red red for a five five dragon wizard. So he, he costs six or more. He has flying. And whenever he deals combat damage to the opponent, each player discards their hand and draws seven cards. So can you name that effect? Yes, it hits you and it wheels of fortune. So wheel of fortune is a card from Alpha that did that exact effect. Uh, cost two and a red, I believe. It was really, really good. It's one actually the most broken of the red cards from Alpha. Um, it... We go back and forth. One of the problems we have in red is um, red is supposed to not be very good at card advantage. Uh, it tends to be one of the anti-card advantage colors that throws all its resources quickly to try to win quickly, but there's more trouble if the opponent can survive. And so if you give red too much card drawing, it fills in a, a weakness that's kind of crucial to how the color functions. So we like it a little bit. We definitely do some tutoring, tutoring, but the stuff we tend to do where red gets more cards, it's not a card advantage. So, for example, red tutoring, you discard before you draw. Um, so the problem with Wheel of Fortune is it's just card advantage, especially if you have an empty hand. Um, and one of the reasons it was so powerful in early magic is because red really, really likes that effect. Um, so what we did is we then did, um, we tried to do Winds of Change, where the idea is I draw, I get a new hand, but I'm not getting any more than the cards I had. Um, there's a big debate right now of when we do Winds of Change, where we're supposed to put it. Um, my big issue is that if you make two effective Winds of Change in red, it allows red to not have to solve some problem by going to other colors. One of the things you want is you want every color to have, to have weaknesses that can be strengthened by going to a second color. And that I want to be careful we don't make cards that fill in the gaps of what's supposed to be a, a color's weakness. Next. Dragon Tyrant. Eight red red, so a ten mana for a six six dragon. Flying, trample, double strike, and fire breathing. So you pay red mana to get plus one plus one end of turn. And it's got an upkeep cost of red, 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 red. So four red mana. Um, the idea here was just a big, bad, mean dragon. Um, this is back where we were still doing upkeep costs. That's not something we do all that often. I mean, once in a blue moon we do. Um, it used to be very very popular in Magic. Early Alpha, for example, has a lot of upkeep costs. Um, and the idea was it allowed you to get things out a little cheaper, but there was a mana cost required to keep them. And um, uh, in general, what we found is players weren't particularly fond of them. Uh, oftentimes, players were excited to draw their card, and so they draw their card because they had nothing to do, but they forgot their upkeep, and once you draw a card, you haven't paid your upkeep costs, and then it would die, and just a lot of unfun... Mo- so we dialed it back. It's not something we never do, but we do very infrequently these days. Um, and I think Dragon Tyrant just designed to be, like, if you can get a dragon out, because there's, there's a bunch of ways in the set to get dragons out, this thing is just big and mean. Okay, Dragon Speaker Shaman. So one RR, so three mana for a 2-2 two, two Barbarian. No, this is before the uh, uh, mirrored in the next block would be the race class. So this, this does, it has a class, but no race. Um, anyway, dragon spells you cast uh, cost two less. Um, so there's a cycle of warp chiefs that make everything cost one less. And this is kind of an unofficial war chief 
extended card, except because it's dragons and dragons are more expensive, uh, this makes them cost two less. Okay, Dragon Stalker. So Dragon Stalker is a for four and a white, five mana. It's a three three bird soldier. It is flying and protection from dragons. Um, so I think what's going on in this card is... Sorry, it's the Hiccup episode. Um, what's going on in this card is... I believe the Protection from Dragons came in development because they were trying to find some ways to take the cards that were there and, and up the amount of dragoness. And so I think this was a way to sort of add a little bit of trigger text to a card. Okay, there were a couple of dragons in the set. It could matter. Um, but it was more to just give a little flavor. Okay, speaking of it, now we're in the Ds. We get a lot of dragon cards. Dragonstorm. So 8R, so 9 mana total, sorcery. Search your library for a dragon card and put onto the battlefield. Storm. So what this thing was is uh, if you could cast... If you, if you could... For every spell you manage to get before casting this, you, you get a dragon. Um, so the best way you tend to do this is using rituals. Um, because the nice thing about rituals is rituals help you get more mana. So they help get you to the point where you can cast a 9 mana spell. Um, and then they get you extra dragons in the, in the meantime. The biggest problem with this is having a 9-cost storm spell, which says for every spell you cast, before you cast this 9-cost spell, hey, you get an extra thing, you know. Um, and really, it's what ended up being true was it was you casting spells to even get to 9 mana. Um, and rituals, the, one of the things that ended up being really, really powerful with storm was rituals, because rituals not only are spells that get cast, but actively get you to the point where you can cast these spells, and they allow you to cast other spells. Storm really wants lots of mana. And so the fact that you have mana that gets to count as a, uh, a spell for the storm count uh, proved to be really valuable. For those that aren't aware, um, back in Alpha, mana rituals, meaning I cast a spell and get mana just for that turn, uh, Dark Ritual being the poster child, started in black. Um, there's a lot of flavor to them in black. Um, but eventually when we, we sort of jiggered the uh, color pie... Uh, to make sure that all the colors, you know, were sort of more even what they did, we realized that it made more sense for red, thematically, to be the color that was getting short-term advantage. And so we moved rituals to red. Um, what we found over time, and Storm did not help with this problem, is rituals are just dangerous. Um, mana is kind of the safety valve of the game, and so when you make cards that let you get around the safety valve, it causes problems. So we still do rituals, but we're careful with them. They are very dangerous. Um, Getting mana can, can, I mean, one of the ways the e- most easiest break the game is just make make uh, give people access to mana so that the safeguard of mana isn't the thing that's protecting you. Next, Edge Walker walks the edge. Uh, one white black, so three mana for a two two cleric, and he makes cleric spells cost white black less, <laughs> but he only reduces color cost. So clearly, there's a little theme going on. The war chief reduced by one. Uh, Dragon speaker shaman reduces by two. Um, this card, interestingly, <laughs> reduces by two, but specifically by one white and one black. So what that means is, for most clerics, which are either mono-white or mono-black, it reduces them by one, and only the colored cost. Um, um, but, uh, if you haven't played any white-black clerics, and there's some, uh, Edgewalker's one of the examples, um, it allows you to play it much cheaper. So, for example, if you play an Edgewalker, the second Edgewalker costs only one mana. Okay, Elvish Aberration. So it's five and a green for a four or five elf mutant. Tap add GGG, so three green mana, uh, and four cycling two. 
So uh, I often talk about code names, you know, uh, card names. That when we make cards, we tend to give them. Um, sometimes we're serious names. Sometimes they're goofy names. One of the real common names I tend to give is whenever there's a creature that's like, you know, three three or bigger, and it taps for mana. I always call it Fat Elf. And this this is the epitome of a Fat Elf. Uh, four or five taps for three green. Um, the idea here was there were a lot of big spells, so the idea is at six mana, if you can get this out, this can help you get out like nine mana stuff. Um, but because it, is, it itself is expensive, it has four cycling on it. So, you know, when you're able to get it, you can use this to get from mid-range to high-range for your spells, but early in the game, you can just trade, trade it in for a forest. So let's talk about the mutant thing a little bit. So one of the themes that was going on is because Brian won Converted Mana Cost of Matter, the set just had a preponderance of large things. And so the creative team had to go, why are there so many large things? We need to explain that. And so um, I think it was Corona or something about the nature of what was going on, maybe in the Mar- or actually probably was in the Marari. Um, the Marari was also at play here. Um, the Marari was causing things to just grow, grow crazy, and it was making mutants out of everything, and everything was... was getting weird. So there were elf mutants and goblin mutants. Normally, elves are not 4-5. Um, that, that's like, like, if you ever build an elf deck and you're looking for bigger elves, this is an interesting one because it is an elf, even though it's a 4-5 creature. And that was justified by just making everything mutants. Um, and the reason why was, because it was a tribal set, they needed to make sure they had some elf stuff in addition to beast stuff. And they didn't want all the big stuff just being beasts. So that's why you get some things like elf mutants and goblin mutants and such. Okay, next, Eternal Dragon. So Eternal Dragon uh, costs five white-white, so seven mana for a five-five dragon spirit. It had fl- flying for three white-white, five mana. You could return it from your graveyard to your hand during your upkeep, and it had plane cycling too. So this was the most powerful of all the land cycling cards, and the reason is because when you get this in your opening hand, what should you do? Plane cycle it! Uh, there's no reason not to because it has a means by which you can get it back later. And so, and not only that, um, sometimes um, if you're at five mana and you're not yet at seven mana, you might even um, plane cycle multiple times to get you there. You know, because once you, once you get up to five mana, you can use this um, to get you the extra mana you need to get up to seven mana to be able to cast the, the uh, Eternal Dragon. Um, this is also one of the best dragons historically that wasn't a red dragon. Um, there, and there was a lot of debate at the time. Um, the creative team was not happy there was a white dragon. Um, you know, every once in a while we have cycles, and I think the creative team is much happier when there's a cycle of dragons than there's just one single, you know, signs pointing to, hey, look at me, I'm a white dragon. And, and it was a very, very good white dragon, too. Like, not only was it, um, it was played in tournaments, you know, it was, it was just a really good dragon. And when we were iconically trying to make, um, Dragon's red, you got to be careful where you, you stick it. And I, 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 the creative team wasn't super happy that this was kind of this random one really powerful white dragon. But the players liked it. Uh, although, whenever I talk about the color pie, normally when we break color pie, I was like, cool, I don't get to do that normally. That's exciting. <laughs> okay, so uh, thank you for joining my special hiccup episode of, uh, of uh, Drive to Work. Uh, so we got to E, um, but I'm now at work, and so we'll have to pick up with F t- tomorrow. Um, so, uh, hope you guys are enjoying our little, our little jaunt through Scourge. Um, uh, Brian and, um, Worth, uh, that's the design team. Also, I, I learned, by the way, that they got a little bit of help from Bill Rose. He, he's not credited, but, uh, Bill actually helped on the team a little bit. 
Um, but anyway, I'm glad that uh, they, they made a fun set. And so as we uh, tiptoe through it, we can see all sorts of cool cards and talk about what was going on. Uh, but as you guys maybe can tell, or maybe you can't. I don't know where I put my brake on if you can hear me put my brake on. But uh, anyway, I'm now parked in my parking space, or a parking space. I don't have my own parking space. Uh, I'm now parked in my parking space. Uh, a parking space. See, I did it twice. Uh, I'm now parked in a parking space. And you know what that means? It means it's time to end my drive to work. Um, and it's time for me to be making magic. So thanks for joining me, and I'll talk to you next time when we're going to talk more Scourge.